Hi, I'm Sana, and you're listening to Trendlines. And I'm Nate. We're the founders, hosts, and producers of Trendlines. Join trendsetters on Instagram and Facebook at Trendlines Podcast and on Twitter at Trendlines Pod. Today, we are talking about the recent controversy over a huge hit television show, The Bachelor, and cancel culture in general. Sana, I know you're a fan of the show. I'm catching up on the show due to this phenomenon that's happening right now. Can you talk to us and the listeners a bit about The Bachelor as a whole? Because I I need a cliff notes catch up on what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the tea, okay? So this is the first season of The Bachelor to feature a Black leading man. His name is Matt James. Honestly, it's a little ridiculous that it took this long to get a Black guy to be The Bachelor, but whatever. And there's this huge controversy that's going on right now, and the first casualty appears to be host Chris Harrison, who is the face of the franchise. He's he's hosted The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, all of their spinoffs since th- this all started in 2002. So basically, Chris Harrison, he's the host, and he was defending a contestant on The Bachelor, this young woman, and a history of racially questionable actions. And he announced this past Saturday that he would be stepping aside for an undisclosed period. And here's the thing. Harrison, he is white and has hosted the show for a really long time and has always navigated all the ups and downs and all the controversies, I would say pretty smoothly from a PR standpoint. He's always been cool under pressure. However, in a recent interview with the first female Black Bachelorette, Rachel Lindsay, he kind of stumbled and and was a mess. And that's really what is at the crux of this. Here's what happened. So if you're unfamiliar with the controversy, one of the leading contestants on this season is a young woman named Rachel Kirkconnell. She is white and she has come under fire on social media. There was a TikTok user named Maddie Beerster who posted, uploaded a video that said that Rachel, when she was in high school, she used to bully her for liking black guys. Another user um, attacked Rachel Kirkconnell for her apparent conservative political leanings and also for liking Instagram posts that had Confederate flags in them. Recently, a photo has surfaced from 2018 that showed Rachel Kirkconnell at a plantation-themed party. And, you know, if if you're caught up with the show or if you're watching it, then you know that Matt James, again, the first Black Bachelor, has said on the show that he's falling in love with Rachel Kirkconnell. And he has, you know, said that people should be cautious with what they say and said rumors are dark and nasty and can ruin people's lives. This is the backdrop. Rachel Lindsay, the first Black Bachelorette, she's now a correspondent with Extra TV. She has an interview and she's talking to Chris Harrison about the last episode. And then she asks Chris Harrison, hey, what are your thoughts about all of those allegations? And Chris Harrison, he said... My guess is these girls got dressed up and went to a party and had a great time and they were 18 years old. Now, does that make it okay? I don't know. You tell me. Were we all looking through that lens in 2018? So he seemed to sort of be downplaying the backlash against those photos. And just keep in mind that that photo comes at you know the end of a couple of other strings, like those other videos that were uploaded on TikTok and her liking photos with Confederate flags in them. So I didn't realize she had such a history i thought it was just Mm. that photo of her and uh, the sorority girls but there's like a history of her following and liking yeah racist content it's a little it's sort of been simmering right and so following the huge backlash chris harrison 
tweeted out and, and posted on Instagram an apology that said to my Bachelor Nation family, I will always own a mistake when I make one. So I'm here to extend a sincere apology. I have this incredible platform to speak about love. And yesterday I took a stance on topics about which I should have been better informed. I do not speak for Rachel Carcanal. My intentions were simply to ask for grace and offering her an opportunity to speak on her own behalf. What I now realize I have done is cause harm by wrongly speaking in a manner that perpetuates racism. And for that, I am so deeply sorry. He then promises to do better. And then after that, issued another statement that said that he would be stepping aside for some time. So that is all that's going on. And Nate, you sent me a video summary of the thing as well. What are your thoughts on all of this as a non-bachelor watching human being who's sort of hearing about all this for the first time? What are your thoughts? You know, like I had shared, I don't watch the show. Um, Mm -hmm. I have tried years and years ago to get into it, but I just wasn't entertained the way I think a lot of people are by the show. I think it stands for amazing culture and a lot of entertainment but yeah it was on my instagram feed and i was like what is going on here and i just listened to that extra interview not knowing that the african-american woman who was interviewing chris was a former bachelorette is that what you said and the first black bachelorette herself yeah yeah so i didn't even know that so that's how much i did not realize (laughs) about the bachelorette but like i was listening to chris's interview and when he said the word woke police, like that was one of the first words out of his mouth. I was he like, said this it is seven not. Times. Like he said it all the time in that interview. And I was just like, how in the world did we, like, what is he talking about? So I was, mm-hmm. I was drawn in because I'm like, I don't like that he's using the word woke police because it's appropriative and somewhat disciplinary at the same time. And I just, right. I, that doesn't jive well. I was confused. Like, why is he taking an active defense role against a contestant on the show when he's just the host, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I kept watching, like, why is he concerned? Why does he care so much? And then when he mentioned about the lens of 2018 and how, you know, things are so different now. And what he meant to say was more Black people have been killed since then. So therefore, we see things differently we can't excuse the time capsule as a reason. So I was just like, how is this going to go? And it was just a crash and burn. And that I texted was a my total misstatement. That was such a ridiculous thing to say. It's like, Oh, would this not have been a good look in 2018? No, no, it's, it, no, it's, it's not, not a good look. And, it's not. And I texted my group friend. I have a group chat and I dropped uh-huh. the link in there and we were all like, I think he's going to get canceled. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think he can say these words and not and hold space on a show that just so happens to also represent the first black male bachelor. Yeah. And it just bugged me. And I guess the question to you, like, what is the franchise ready for this? I hate to think this was a reaction to the incidents and um, salience of black culture that came out of last year's protest. But did the franchise take on too much? Was this well above their britches to have a black male bachelor and a Chris Harris on the same show? Well, so, so here's the thing. I watched the bachelor and the bachelorette as an escape, you know, it, and let's be, let's be really clear about what the show is. It's about 25 to 30 people who are obsessively vying for the attentions of someone they do not know and have not met <laughs> to marry that person as soon as possible. And so when I see these women after a week or two of being on the show get sent home and then they're devastated, it's a little cringe. You know what I mean? Like, come on. But it is vapid. It is superficial. Sometimes wonderful relationships come out of it. Other times, mostly people just become influencers on social media and 
low key. That's probably why a lot of people go on the show. And that's okay. I mean, it's an industry now, it's an economy go forth and prosper. But when people were like, oh, we have the first male bachelor, what a what a turning point in America. And I was like, what? Uh, no, when we have equal housing rights, <laughs> that's a turning point in America. When public schools in like black neighborhoods get equal funding as public schools in white neighborhoods, that's a breakthrough. Matt James being the black bachelor is not a breakthrough in civil rights, guys. Come on. Like, let's not over-exaggerate the importance of that. Is it important? Yes. Should they have had a Black Bachelor a heck of a long time ago? Yes. But, like, we just had a second Black Bachelorette, this awesome girl, Taisha, who I thought was an incredible human being, did a great job, seems to be in a really happy relationship that might actually work out, I think. And I, I don't think that the, I don't think the franchise, to answer your question, has bitten off more than it can chew. What I think... Mm-hmm. What I think happened is that we're not, they're not prepared, even though they, they did recently hire a diversity coach and commit to having a more diverse cast. So they have taken steps in the last couple of years because it's, it has been a mostly white franchise. And that's so that they had a diversity coach before this happened. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, they had a diversity coach before That's Chris really Harrison. funny. Can we, can we drop her name in here too? Or <laughs> I don't his think name? I know her, his or her name. Um, Listeners, can I... you help us figure this out? Because I think we need to cancel somebody else. Maybe you need to cancel the diversity coach. I don't know. Um, but but Chris Harrison has had the access and the tools and the resources before he sort of put his foot in his mouth. But I do want to say something, though. It is hard to talk about things in the age of social media. And I think if you listened to the entire interview of Chris Harrison and Rachel Lindsay, he spends most of it basically saying, let's give Rachel Kirkcanal, this white contestant with a history of some problematic cringe you know, incidents, let's give her the time and the grace to answer when she's ready to and when she feels equipped to because when half a million people or a million people are tweeting about you when you're not used to that, that's terrifying, right? Like that's a lot. And, and even though there, there's things in her past that are deeply problematic, let's give her a minute. She's probably like 22, 23. I don't think she's older than that. And now she's in the crosshairs of Twitter. And we know conservative or liberal, it doesn't matter. We know Twitter can get really, really ugly. Death threats are real. People being yeah. wild are, are real. It's a scary place to enter into. And all I think that he was trying to say and what he should have stuck to saying was, hold on, let her answer for herself. Let's not be judge, jury, executioner. We got to calm down. And then he went on and said, well, was this a good look in 2018? That was ridiculous. And, and he should have known better. He absolutely should have known better. And he should take a yeah. leave of absence and, and come back and be better equipped for it. But I, I, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about cancel well, culture. What do you think about it? Well, I want to hop back briefly about is housing rights more impactful than a ba- than a black bachelor because I, I think I think so. Well, well, I think you said something really important and like I have to recognize our points of view and you are a very politically involved and passionate individual. Yes, sir. I feel like and, and correct me if I'm wrong, do you feel alone with the bachelor viewership and that you care about local politics and the bachelor or do you feel like maybe this is a big moment for the watcher who isn't concerned about well, housing equity. I don't think most people are as politically, you know, obsessive as I am watching the news all the 
not watching the news, can't watch the networks, but like I, you know, the reading the papers and following up on like vote counts and who's voting on what this year or who's up for election and who stands yeah. for what. I don't think that most people are that invested in that. Um, certainly not the audience of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. But I do think that you can't help but know what's going on in the country because of everything of we've we've experienced. And when your favorite actors and you're when your favorite comedians and when your favorite models and when your favorite athletes all start sharing their opinions, it's because they've been moved by what's going on around them to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had, we've had, like the last season of the bachelorette started with this white woman named Claire Crawley and she ended up going with a black guy. So I think it's just become much more normalized. And yeah. I always think it's ridiculous that anyone is ever shocked at like an interracial relationship or an interracial marriage anymore in this day and age. Like, come on. Yeah. So that's become much more normal. What I will say, though, is that The Bachelor and The Bachelorette audience, the people who watch this show, and I think most people have the intention of like being open to things and nobody wants to be a racist. But I, I do think that we're real quick to call people racist. I, I think we're overusing the word and then it, it won't keep its meaning anymore that's a really good segue into into cancel culture because i think what you just said was really important in that people are getting exposed to more and more diverse thought through entertainment television like you had mentioned the bachelorette is an escape for you and that escape is actually bringing up some larger cultural societal political commentary in a space that it might not have been intended for right so so when you look back at the history of cancel culture like i i think it's an old term i remembered hearing it on like basketball wives in 2014 a, a black entertainment show I think with social media, it's tricky. Like the slippery slope of Twitter is always going to be a problem. But for me, if you said something in 2002, right, Mm -hmm. and someone finds it in 2022, let's just think about the future. You know, I I definitely think what cancel culture for me sounds like is you're being held accountable for things that you said publicly. And I think that's a hard pill for some to swallow is that you can say things in passing, you can say things informally, but if there's a record of something that is now perceived to be inappropriate, what this term cancel culture is doing is holding people very accountable. Is it fair? I think that's a hard question to answer. It my is gut a hard says, question to answer, yeah. My, my gut says yes, but I also realize that this is what equity in communication looks like. People that have massive voices can interact with somebody who has two followers, you know? And sometimes these movements are started by an angry individual who's attacking Ellen DeGeneres or who is attacking, you know, a celebrity. Or Anna Wintour. Yeah. And are they wrong for that? I don't think so. But I, I, I appreciate what you say on like, if we keep using the word cancel culture, is it going to lose? I think that's what you're referring to. Is Mm -hmm. that going to lose its luster? Is it going to lose importance? Well, here's the thing. I, I think there is a positive impact to it, right? But cancel culture can get so ugly and it's not as black and white as people want to portray it to be. I don't, I don't know how I feel about cancel culture because I think what you want is justice. What you yeah. don't want is to bash someone over and over and over and make them hate themselves and make them never get the chance to grow 
as a person. Like, I, I think Chris Harrison is going to learn a lot from this. And I think Rachel Kirkconnell is going to learn a lot from this. Like, hey, you know what? That plantation party that I went to, even if nobody in her social circle thought that was a problem, now she knows better, right? Because now she has access to a diverse range of opinions. And honestly, would I ever have gone to a plantation party in 2000, 2004, 2005? No. And I don't think you would have. I don't think a lot of us would have. That would have been real awkward not. for us. <laughs> I, I struggle with plantation awkward. museums. I so excuse I, what she did. That was so, so terrible. It was such a dumb thing to do. But if she goes to another one, go for it. You know, then she clearly hasn't learned her lesson and she's doubling down on something that is super, super racist, you know? Um, but Rachel Kirkconnell's apology to me read as sincere. She said, racial progress and unity are impossible without white accountability, and I deserve to be held accountable for my actions. I will never grow unless I recognize what I have done is wrong. I don't think one apology means that I deserve your forgiveness, but rather I hope I can earn your forgiveness through my future actions. And I think that's exactly right. And is this woke mob willing to judge her by her future actions, or have they just decided that they're going to berate and demean a woman on the internet? And I can't support that. I can't support anyone going after a woman on the internet like that because I know how scary that could, I mean, I don't know. I've never experienced it, but my God, that sounds terrifying. I don't want to, I don't want to put any man or woman through that. And I don't think anyone should. And so if you just have bloodlust to see that, that scares me. Condemn her for what she's done. Watch what she does now. Same with Chris Harrison, but I'm not down for this, you know, this rage and and this this online mob and it's it gets scary you know like our favorite political figures and actors and people that we idolize a lot of public figures talk a lot about how scary the internet can be for them and i don't want to support anything that makes people feel like that yeah i yeah i feel like we're on two different sides of this and i totally understand that the internet should be a place that um is encouraging and understanding but it isn't, in my experience. I, I feel like it's weaponized. I think expectations are too high, I think, and I think we can agree on that. Everybody puts their best equitable face forward and they just see what happens. But I think what I struggle with is like a lot of cancel culture that happens on the platform YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that's where I've kind of become accustomed to what this truly means for people because a lot of these YouTubers have their career and they're all their financing right. supported through YouTubing. And there was a YouTuber by the name of Jenna Marbles. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, Mm-mm, but she no. is a very unproblematic white woman. Like she just makes crazy videos about putting rubber bands in her hair or feeding her dogs gourmet dog biscuits that she made with organic stuff. Like she's a very vanilla, just entertaining kind of, you know, zoning out kind of channel. But she canceled herself, which I think is something worth talking about because she, through understanding what could happen if you had made a video eight years ago, which she had done, when she wore blackface, which she had done, when she was mocking people with disabilities, which she had done. And then at that time, eight years ago, it was applauded. It was entertaining. It was like, oh gosh, how funny is Jenna? But in the same vein as your concerns, Sana, she was like, she made a video and was like, I don't want to contribute to a narrative that can be perceived as racist or ableist. And she removed like half of her videos that were of any consequence, right? right. She was overly cautious. Right. And everything she left out on her channel was very 
vanilla, very of no subject of humans, right? It was just like crafting. Mm-hmm. You can't offend somebody by making a craft. Right. And and that I think has consequence for entertainment value in general. But at the same time, I think it's a reckoning that's long overdue. And I think people are learning their lessons. Should they be flamed for it? No. But I think there's a lot of energy and concern and anger that is going to come forward and tell these diversity coaches of which I don't know what they were doing at The Bachelor or these public figures. Because even just last week, that country singer said the N-word on a recorded video yeah, and he got flamed for it. So I, I do think there's going to be like... And, and he should have. And he should have, right? And, right, and right. what was his and, name? Morgan something? I don't know. I, I, I oh, had not I heard of him know. before. I hadn't and heard I will never him. hear from him again. But, <laughs> well, but I never I think... heard of him. Um, but he apparently met with um, leaders of the black community and then said that he was truly humbled by what he heard and had no idea that that word meant that. And I'm just like, you really had no idea in 2021. You had no idea. All right, fine. Um, But like, I'm going to watch. Well, I'm not going to watch his career. I have no idea who he is. But you better not say that again, right? And But here's the thing. If someone's wanting to atone for something, let them do it. There's a difference between cancel culture and justice culture. And I want to just make that distinction, you know? Yeah, I I think that's really healthy. And I think my my final thought on the attack on cancel culture, I think, is something that I think the person saying it is really important. Like you giving honest and thoughtful critique of the consequence of cancel culture is well received. But I also see that same phrase being weaponized to silence minorities mm-hmm. when they true. have something to say. That's true. And so I, th- true. I think there's two sides to this. And I know we're getting close to our time here today. And if this comes back up again, part two on the way. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching how people use this word. I, I feel like we as cultural consumers that are conscience, conscious yeah. can use that word and use it in a self-critiquing and healing way. But... I'm seeing it being weaponized as like, oh, you're canceling everything. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's in the way of like, oh, well, we can't do anything because you're going to cancel it. And, and it's also, kind of like this taunting mentality that I think is really concerning. Exactly. And when we double down on cancel culture, when we give full-throated support, what we do as Democrats is give Republicans talking points. You know what I mean? The woke police, the morality police, the politically correct sort of thing. And then they weaponize it against a whole bunch of people who have system systemically not been allowed a voice or have never been empowered. So I never want to do that. <laughs> like I never want yeah, to do yeah. that. What is difficult to articulate and, and it's difficult for me to articulate. And I've had some time to think about this. Chris Harrison was off the cuff trying to talk about this and just put his foot in his mouth and said a whole bunch of dumb things that he needs to do his homework and research on. And a lot, no, people have a hard time talking about this, but I guess what I come down on is when someone screws up, I want to root for them to get better uh, and learn from that. And if it's a criminal activity, that's why I said, like, there's a difference between cancel culture and justice culture. If it's criminal, go get charged yeah. and go do your time. But if you're a person mm-hmm. who said the, the said something wrong or did things wrong before you had the information, I want to give you a chance to learn from that because I would hope that someone would do that for me. You know what I mean? On that note, I think we can put a a cap on this episode for now. But listeners, we would really love to know how you feel about cancel culture. Yeah. I I don't want to be canceled for talking about cancel culture. So please come to us. 
before you flame us on Twitter and Instagram, send us a DM. <laughs> we want to talk about it. We'll bring you on the show. We'll we'll figure it out. But we might take this podcast down. <laughs> like, I don't it know. might happen, but I, I really think it's an important conversation. It's a hot button issue. And I think justice should be everybody's ambition. And yes. Yes. And I envy your capacity to wish well on idiots. I'm not there. I want them to learn. And at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that we have really short memories. <laughs> and we in about a year or two, memory. we're not going to remember this. <laughs> we're not going to remember this. So um, on that note, no. please remember to listen and subscribe to Trendlines Podcast. And we can't wait to revisit this in the future. Bye. Don't cancel us. Love you. 